Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is a passage in which Jesus has been teaching. It recorded for us what we refer to as the Sermon on the Mount. It spans chapters 5 through 7 in our Bibles. And uh, here in this particular place, Jesus is teaching and talking to his disciples about the importance of prayer. And we're going to consider this morning just one verse from what Jesus is teaching and what he is talking about to his disciples there. But before we kind of jump into the passage this morning, I'm curious, how many of you uh, set an alarm this morning on your phone, your alarm clock? How, how many of you are the alarm people? How many of you just wake up as nature wakes you up? Wow, wow, that's a lot of us. Wow, that was more than I was expecting. Um, that must be nice, I guess. Um, and uh, it must be some retired folks in the room this morning, right? And uh, Sunday morning, you know. Now, how many of you are the alarm people and you set your alarm and you snooze it about seven times before you wake up? You, you set your alarm clock for your spouse to wake up. That's, that's what you do. And uh, you know who you are. And uh, now, how many of you, you have your watch, your phone, or a planner somewhere near you right here this morning? Can I see your hand? Wow, and that's a lot of us. You know, I don't think I realized it until I went in another culture and to another place and realized just how um, less concerned a lot of the world is with this thing we call time. And now I know some places are very concerned about it, but when Richard talked about Uganda this morning, uh, Uganda, time is kind of relative. Um, you say we're going to have service at whatever, 10 o'clock, but it, it might be 11 o'clock before the service begins, and, and then, you know, the message goes on two hours, and I mean, there really isn't this thing of time. Everybody here in the United States, we're so concerned about time, even when we gather to worship. We're just like, we got to be done, we got to be done, and, and, but, I, but I wonder, do we have something to learn uh, from other places and other cultures? I'll never forget, I was driving down the road one time, and what really stood out to me was the church not only had the service time when it started, it had the time when it ended. And I just thought, wow, like, are, are we constraining what God's Spirit wants to do in that place or in that time? And, and the fact is, for many of us, our lives are so wrapped up in this thing that we call time. And yet, I want to ask you a question this morning. How does God relate to this thing we call time? The Bible says in Psalm 90 that, Lord, you have been in our dwelling place in all generations, Moses said. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you had ever formed the worth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. In Hebrews chapter 13, we read that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as we read those passages and we ask this question, wait a minute, how does God relate to this thing called time? The Bible teaches throughout the pages of Scripture that God is eternal. That means that God exists outside of time. That for many of us, we struggle to understand what does it mean to be eternal and that God just exists endlessly. You know, we think about our lives uh, having an eternal soul and what God creates in us, but, but none of us can go back and remember a time when there was nothing. And yet, yet God existed before time began. God exists and there will never be a time when God ceases to be. And so God is eternal. God exists outside of time. In fact, God creates time as he creates this world. And you and I are living in this world constrained by time. 
So, so much of the way that you and I relate to the world, so much of the way that you and I order and arrange our lives are according to this thing that we call time. Even as we think about our existence in relation to the existence of others, we, we use words to describe spans of time. Last week, we celebrated the resurrection of Christ. And it's been over two millennia. Two millennia. Like, how long is that? How many years? Two millennia is how long? Over 2,000, right? A millennia, a millennium, 1,000 years. Can you believe that? It's been over 2,000 years since Christ rose bodily from the grave and that believers around the world have celebrated his resurrection. Over 2,000 years. And then we think about our life in relation to other generations in terms of centuries. You know, just this past summer, we were up at my grandparents and uh, my, my sister is real big on the ancestry thing. And so it was kind of fun to sit around the dinner table with my grandma and grandpa and they have this family Bible. And my granddad brought out this family Bible and there there's literally like a place in the old family Bibles where you had your genealogy and it was like three or four generations back. And, and it was just this exciting thing to think about that, that we're not talking about the 21st century. We're, we're thinking about like the, the, uh, the 19th century, you know? Well, we're thinking about not just a few years, we're thinking about spans of a hundred years and centuries and, and then, and then, but then you and I, we begin to frame our life and we think about our existence in terms of a decade. We think about um, our, our, our young years, our teenage years. We think about being a single adult. We think about being married. And then we begin to, then we begin to account for our marriage in terms of years and anniversaries. And we have these milestones for so many decades. Actually, I was thinking about all of that this week as I was just thinking about life and time and years. And, and it just reminded me again as Jessica and I were away together this week and thinking about our love for you and how God brought us here and, and just thinking, man, this summer in June will be 10 years, be a decade since we've been here. And you begin to look at your life and you go back and look at a picture of you 10 years ago. And you're like, wow, man, I'm, I feel young, but I was really young, right? Like 10 years ago, young. And like, but then we think about being married and we think about, okay, one decade, but then, you know, my wife and I just celebrated a decade of an anniversary in January. And then, and then you look forward to wanting to have more decades ahead of us. And yet, but then, then yet we understand that those years are all framed by the year of the calendar. And so we, we, we look at this year and we're living in 2023. Did any of you ever think you'd live in 2023? I mean, you kind of hoped you would, but you really didn't like do the mental math of thinking like, oh yeah, I'm going to live in 2023. I mean, some of you were thinking about the nineties, like 30 years ago, and that feels relevant. And you're like, 2023, like that seems way off. But, but, but years have a way of of progressing along. And, and even this year, we look at the calendar and like by the end of this month, we'll be a third of the way through 2023. And some of us are still trying to, you know, examine our life and frame everything from 2020. And it's like, wait, that's three years ago. And how about you? But a lot of us are the planners and the prepared people. And we like, we like to have lists. We like to have order. We like calendars. And some of you this week, you've already been thinking about what you had ahead of you this week. You think about the appointments that you're going to have. You think about the meetings that you're going to have. Maybe, you're, maybe you have your eye on a vacation that is just a few weeks away and, and you're looking forward to it. And we frame everything in our life by days and weeks and months. But, but as we look at the Bible and we consider who God is to this thing that we call time, 
How does God relate to me in terms of months or weeks or years? In fact, when we open up the Bible, we, we, we discover that there's actually kind of this one measure of time that God uses to relate to us, and that is today. Today. When we look at the Bible and see all the things that God does in our life, he does them today. He does them today. I want you to look at one verse this morning in, in what Jesus is teaching his disciples on prayer. And, and verse 11, would you just lift up your voice and say it with me? Give us this day our daily bread. Say it one more time like you mean it. Give us this day our daily bread. Now this morning, I want us to consider this one verse of what Jesus is teaching us about our life Today, and if you're going to jot down some notes, the thought for the message this morning is simply this, sufficient for today. Sufficient for today. Father, Lord, we, we come with hearts that, Lord, just want to worship you this morning. God, we just want to be reminded about who you are. We want to think about our life from your vantage point. Lord, Lord we want to think about our existence, and what you've given us today as a, an amazing gift. Lord, help us not squander today. Lord, help us not waste today. Lord, help us to make the most of every moment of our life and, and make the most of what you've given us uh, today. And we pray, Lord, this morning, as we just consider this passage, what you're saying to us, what you're inviting us into, that God, this morning, you would free some people who have been just consumed by fear. They've been overwhelmed by regret. And Lord, this morning, they would just know the amazing transforming power that you have for them in the gospel. We ask this in Jesus' name. Everyone said, amen. Notice verse 11. Jesus teaches us, how are we to pray? He says, give us this day our daily bread. You know, there's a saying that goes like this. Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery. But today is a gift. That is why it is called the present. Today's a gift. Today is a gift. That's why we call it the present. I want you to think about this in terms of your life this morning. Yesterday is gone. Turn to your neighbor and tell him it's gone. It's gone. I mean, yesterday is gone. You can't go back and change it. You can't undo it. It's over. It's, it's gone. Just, just last August, when Jessica and I got away on sabbatical for a, for a number of weeks, something that the Lord kind of challenged me about was keeping a journal of, of life and events in life and moments in life and what God does in life. And I'm, I, I promise you, I'm not a daily journaler. I want to get there. But especially in special days and things that God does, I, I'll go and I'll jot this journal with some pictures. And, but you know, it reminds me that every night as I enter in that journal entry and the next day I wake up, whatever I put in there is gone. It's yesterday. I, I can't go back and undo it. I can't go back and change it. And, and some of us are really concerned about that because some of us are, have lost a lot of time with spending our mind and wondering, how can we go back and change something? How can we go back and do something? Some of us think, man, if I could only have said something in a different way or done something in a different way, or, or, or how can I go back and undo the past? And the fact is, you can't. It's gone. And the Bible teaches also that tomorrow is ahead of us. Tomorrow is not today. Tomorrow is uh, something that we can hope for. It's something that we can long for. It's something that is ahead of us. But the Bible would say it's nothing that is guaranteed. It's not actually guaranteed. What has God given you? He's given us today. Remember, James says this in his letter in chapter four. He says, come now, 
You who say that today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and spend a year there and trade and make a profit, yet you don't know what tomorrow will bring. So what is your life? For you are a mist that appears only for a little time and then vanishes away. Instead, we ought to say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. Turn to your neighbor and say, if the Lord wills. If the Lord wills. But some of us make so much confident assertions of what we believe is going to happen tomorrow that we're not actually living in this reality of what the Bible says that we've been given today. So we can plan for tomorrow, we can hope for tomorrow, we can anticipate tomorrow, but my life and your life is actually one thing every day of our life, and that is today. It's today. It's today. Jesus says, give us this day. Give us this day, our daily bread. Everything in the Bible, when God relates to his people, is always at one day at a time. The Bible says, now is the day of salvation. The time is now. The accepted time is now. Today is the day of salvation. The Spirit of God says, listen to what the Bible says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in a rebellion on the day of testing in the wilderness. When your fathers put me to a test and saw my works for 40 years, the Bible says, take care, brothers and sisters. Take care. What? Lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. There's things that God wants to do in your life and he wants to do them today. What do you think God needs to do in your life today? I wonder what is he saying to you today? A lot of us don't live that way. In fact, many of us don't live that way. In fact, many of us wake up in the morning and the focus of our present generation is always on what's coming. What's coming. And so many of us, we wake up in the morning and, and we find ourselves just kind of struggling to get through today so that somehow we can experience what we have on the horizon tomorrow. And when we just live this like day-to-day -day kind of meager existence as we just wake up and we kind of drudge through the day. And some days feel like that, don't they? Some days feel like quite a drudge. But, but, but some of us, we wake up in the morning with that anticipation. We wake up in the morning with that outlook on life. I just got to struggle to get through five o'clock and then, and then I got tomorrow. I only got to make it till Friday and then. I only got to make it two more weeks and then wait a minute, the Bible would say you don't know if you have two more weeks. Actually, you don't even know if you have till Friday. God's giving you today. So that's why Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, Lord, give us today. What are, what are, we, what are we asking God to do in our lives today? You and I are living for the glory of God today. We're experiencing the blessings of this life that God has given us today. Today, 
today, that we would experience the goodness of God in our lives today. And man, I'm just telling you so much of our thoughts and our energy, if you can relate to me and you, you agree with this, so much of our thoughts and our energy are pining a day, are pining away for another day, or we're living our life in regret from what happened in the past. But many of us struggle to live for today. Isn't that what the devil wants to do? Doesn't the devil want to get us into thinking that our life, the best that God has for us is always later? Or somehow he can get us hung up on the things that we did yesterday or two weeks ago or five weeks ago and we can't seem to move out of that. We can't seem to move past that. Why? Because we're not living the reality of what God wants us to live in our lives and that is to live for today. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, he says, don't worry about tomorrow. Sufficient is the trouble for today. Worries of tomorrow can wait till tomorrow. Jesus says, you got enough problems? You got enough concerns? You got enough needs in your life today? In fact, some of us who really struggle with our worry, some of us are really just in grip of anxiety. And we find our minds just spinning over things that we are so worried about. If we're honest, a lot of those things aren't in our life today. It's things of what we think could happen or what we're afraid might happen or what we feel like will happen. But it's not today. Jesus says sufficient today is the trouble thereof. We can't dwell on the past regardless if it's a success or a failure. Didn't Paul say that? Didn't Paul say that? He says, I'm forgetting what lies behind. Why did he say that? Because if had Paul thought about his life and all the things that he had done, man, he wouldn't go forward in spiritual victory at all, would he? He would think about the way that he was a murderer of the church. He would think about people that he drug out of homes, people that he murdered, people that he condemned, things that he said. I mean, had he lived his life in the past of who he was, my goodness, he would never have moved forward in victory in what God's calling him to do. So he says, I'm forgetting what lies behind. I got to let it go. Turn to your neighbor and tell him, let it go. Let it go. My goodness, some of us live our lives so shackled by something in the past, something that happened. You, you, you look at people who are just in depths of despair, in depths of depression, find out oftentimes you go back and there's something in their life that they've actually not released themselves from. They've not left it. Because they're trying to live every day in the present while straddling the past. And we can't do that. Yesterday is gone. Yesterday is full of trouble. Ways that people hurt you. Ways that you hurt others. Sins that you committed. Things that you thought. Things that you said. Things that you did. The good news of the gospel is that the things of yesterday are covered under the blood. Amen? How many of you raise a hand in testimony and say, I'm thankful the Lord forgives? How many? Amen. Are you thankful that our sins are carried as far as the east is from the west? Are you, are you thankful that our sins are buried in the depths of the deepest sea? Amen? That's yesterday. And I can't change yesterday. And some of us in this room are struggling right now because we want to go back and undo something of the past. And I want to look at you so kindly and lovingly this morning and say, 
you can't. Let it go. Rest in the power of God's forgiveness of you. You say, I can't forgive myself. My friend, God's forgiven you. (laughs) What more do you have to do? God's forgiven you. Tomorrow will hang me up. The future is so uncertain. Paul says, but I'm going to strain forward to what lies ahead. Because I can only live by the power of God's Spirit in my life today. This past week, Jessica and I had a special trip. We left Monday morning. We were able to be down at the Billy Graham Cove Training Center. If, if, if any of you, you have opportunity, I, I hope you take opportunity to go. It's not just for pastors. They have spiritual retreats, private retreats, couple retreats. There, there's something that, that our generation needs. Our society that lives so day to day, moment to moment, living in the pressure of now, we need moments of retreat. We need moments of rest. We need moments of training, moments of renewal. This past week, we got away. And how many of you know Pastor Jim Simbla? Anybody ever heard of Pastor Jim Simbla? He was with us this week with about 300 pastors and their wives. And he made this statement in one of his messages that so gripped my heart. He said, success in the Christian life is forgetting what you need to forget and remembering what you need to remember. He said it backwards. He said, success in the Christian life is remembering what you need to remember and forgetting what you need to forget. I thought about that. Wow, doesn't that frame our life as Christians? There's a lot of things the Bible tells us to remember, to remember what God did in yesterday, to remember the faithfulness of God in yesterday. Uh, There's some things the Bible wants us to remember and it doesn't want us to forget. But there are other things in our life that we need to forget. And success in our life as a Christian, he said, is remembering the right things and forgetting the right things. Why? Because the whole existence of what God has for you to receive is today. It's today. So I want to ask you this question. As we think about all of that, what did Jesus say? He prayed this way, verse 11. Notice, give us this day. What are we asking God for this day? Notice what's the last three words are what? Our daily bread. Jesus said we're to ask for our daily bread. Now, obviously, Jesus is not just telling his disciples to pray about bread. I mean, bread was a significant part of the Jewish life. If you know the Jewish diet, there was a lot of bread. And it was a big part of life. But, but bread is more. When Jesus says praying for our daily bread, he's not just praying about loaves of bread. In fact, in the Bible, bread is used as this imagery that runs throughout many places in the Old Testament and New Testament of a picture of God's provision for his people. In fact, if we go in the Old Testament, we'll see this really clearly. Uh, you remember the children of Israel? God had miraculously delivered them from the land of Egypt. They come crossing through the Red Sea, they are being led by this pillar of, of, of cloud and fire. But they disobeyed the Lord. The assembly of God's people disobeyed the Lord. They didn't follow God. They didn't trust in God's leading. And because of their corporate disobedience, for 40 years, God's people wandered in the wilderness. Now I want you to think about 10 years ago. Think about four of those. Forty years. Forty years. God's people wandered in the wilderness because they had disobeyed the Lord. They had failed to follow His leading. 
They grumbled, the Bible said, against their leaders, but God says they were grumbling against him. What's the amazing thing in the story, then you can read it in Exodus chapter 16, is God doesn't actually abandon his people. I mean, you'd think, after everything that he did, and all the miraculous signs and wonders of leading them out of Egypt, wouldn't you think, wouldn't you think they would trust the Lord and follow his leading? But they didn't. And if they didn't, I, would, I wouldn't be shocked to read. You know, God just opened up the ground and swallowed them up. <laughs> but God doesn't do that. Do you know what he does? He provides for them. He provides for them. Not one time, every day for 40 years, God provides for them manna. And they go out in the morning. You remember manna? They were supposed to go. You remember manna. What kind of question is that? Y'all remember that stuff? Yeah? Yeah? You remember it? It's good. Right. What was it? You said, what was it like? Well, the Bible just says as the dew went up in the morning that they would go out and it would be this frosted-like substance on the ground. Closest thing I can think of is glaze from Krispy Kreme, all right? And, and, and you know, they just wadded it up, patted it up, made bread with it. God provided it. And God did it for 40 years every day. But he told them one thing. He said, you can only take as much as you need for how long? Today. Not tomorrow. Man is not good tomorrow. Today. And then before the Sabbath, you could take two. And some people, even then, <laughs> even then, didn't follow God, didn't believe God. They're like, I'll take enough for today. And, you know, tomorrow, might have a little snack. And they go in. And the next morning, you remember what happened? What happened? <laughs> it like rotted with worms. But God provided enough for his people every day and he did it today. In fact, he's doing it today. God's provision in our life is every day. You said, why didn't God give it to him in a week at a time? You know? Why couldn't they have gathering day, Monday of the week, have enough for all week long? Why is it every day? Because that's the way that God works. Everything that God does in our life, he does today. So that they'd fall asleep at night with nothing for tomorrow. And they'd wake up and they'd discover that God has enough for today. He always is enough for today. I mean, come on, any of you doubt that? Just look back in your life and remember, has there been ever a day that God's come up short? Ever a day that God didn't actually provide what was needed? No. But we feel like that, don't we? Don't we go through moments in life and we're like, oh no! And we grapple with, oh my goodness, how is that going to happen tomorrow? How is this going to make sense? But God always supplies our needs enough for today. For today. Man, God so helped me this week. Because as a pastor, I'm telling you, it's easy to live in yesterdays and in tomorrows. Part of a pastor, you're, you're leading and guiding and you feel like you've got to know what's happening tomorrow even though you don't. <laughs> And then you're hung up on yesterdays. 
people you minister to, people who come, people who go. And you think about all of the yesterday. I, I, I do. I don't know if any of you relate to that. Maybe y'all don't. Maybe y'all are good with today. I really struggle with yesterday and tomorrow. God reminded me this week, you know what I need to remember? Every day I wake up, put my feet on the floor. God's enough for today. His mercies are new every morning. Every morning. And if you got, if by God's grace, you open your eyes tomorrow and he gives you today, <laughs> then live your life for him today. Worship him today. Sing to him today. Give for him today. Serve someone, love someone today because you're not promised you'll have tomorrow. Notice Jesus says, Lord, he says, teach us how to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus' audience was first century. Jesus' audience was an agrarian culture. They were very much like some people in the world today that don't actually know where their next meal is coming from. And yet you and I are very different because we can wake up today and regardless of what you have in your account, you can go down to a grocery store or a supermarket and, and there's just not a little bread. There's right now, praise God in our nation, there's a lot of bread. Unless it's a snowmageddon or something like that. And then try again. But at least today, see, that's, that's our problem in the West. Our problem in the West is we want God to provide this week's bread. We're praying for the next month's bread. And God's just saying, no, no, no. I'm going to provide for today's bread. We're so self-sufficient. We are so self-sufficient. And God wants us to realize how dependent we really are. And that is we need him not tomorrow. I need God in my life today. I need, I need to be reminded of his forgiveness in my life today. As a follower of Christ, I need to forgive others. Not tomorrow. Today. Why? Because everything that God is going to do in my life, he's going to do today because notice God gives us this daily bread and he is so sufficient everything everything God gives us grace for today some of us in our thoughts I want to ask you a question you came in this morning it's uh, don't look at the clock don't look at the clock it's 11.33 if you're counting What have been your thoughts this morning since you woke up? Come on. Don't say it out loud, but come on. What have your thoughts been this morning since you woke up? You concerned with things that happened yesterday? You concerned with things that happened last week, two weeks ago? Some of you woke up and you're holding on to something for a year ago? Maybe you woke up this morning and the thoughts that have centered your thought or the thoughts for this week, all the things you got to do, the busyness of this week. And you're already asking God for all those other things. But God's, but, but God's reminding all of us this morning, His provision in our life is for today. God's not giving you provision for something next week or yesterday because it's over. But He will give you all that you need from Him today. Isn't that good news? I mean, that's great news because that means every day you come to the Father's house and there's always a table filled. 
come, let us go to the throne of grace that we might find grace to help. When? In moment of need. Any of you have need in your life today? Raise your hand. Can I see your hand? How many of you have a need in your life today? Physical, spiritual, mental? I don't know. Raise your hand. Hey, there's good news. Because God has a table full for you today. Today. But it just doesn't come to you. Some of us just wake up thinking that if God's going to give me something, he'll give it to me today. If he's going to give it to me tomorrow, he'll give it to me tomorrow. No, 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 no. It's not how it works. Because this verse is in the context of what? It's in the context of what? Prayer. You got to ask for it. It doesn't happen automatically. You have to ask for the things and your needs in your life today. You see, bread is not just the only thing. It's Jesus is arguing from something lesser to greater here. So if we're going to pray about something as simple as a loaf of bread in your cabinet, in your pantry for lunch today, well then my friend, you can pray about anything you need to pray about. There is no concern or request too little or too big for God to hear. And that's good news because regardless of the need in your life today, God is the one with the supply. And his supply is vast. It's unfailing. It never runs out. It's always sufficient for today. Today. Give us this day our daily bread. So for you this morning, what is it, my friend? What is it you feel like you need? I'm not asking what do you need tomorrow? Or what could you have used yesterday? It's past. But right now in your life today, what do you need? Do you need God's wisdom today? His healing today? His forgiveness today? His mercy today? What is it? His direction? Ask God for it today. And what's the first two words of it? How are we to pray this? Give what? Oh, wait a minute. Wait. Most of us don't pray like that. Most of us pray what? Give me. <laughs> Give me my daily bread. Now, there, that's, that's fine. That's there. But that's actually not what Jesus was teaching. Jesus was teaching for the Father to give us something. That word us, if you do anything in your Bible, just circle it. Uh, because, because that's significant. Because what God's going to do and what he's going to provide and measure out to you is not individual, but it's according to his good pleasure for the needs in his body, in his church. We are one in Christ. The Bible says there is one Lord, one faith, one baptism. You and I are connected. You and I are tied together. There is no separating. There, there is no division. I mean, remember what Paul says? When he heard it, that was happening in Corinth. He says, some of you say that you're of Paul. Some of you say you're of Apollos. Some of you say that you're of Jesus. Is Jesus divided? <laughs> I mean, you almost hear Paul just lash out in the passage. Is Jesus divided? No. So quit being carnal. Quit being carnal. Quit trying to segment yourself. Quit trying to take sides. Jesus says you're all one. <laughs> you're one. You're one body. One fellowship. And the way I'll provide for you as a people is collectively. Now, certainly God does things in our life individually. But this is so more significant because how I pray is not just praying 
egotistical and individualistic how so many of us in our Western culture are. We're praying for others. And we're entering into the needs of others. Why? Because, because when they weep, I weep. When they're burdened, I'm burdened. When, when there's a need, it's my need. Look at me. We're, we're all one. And I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about the church. We're one. We need more reminders of our oneness than we do of what divides us. Sadly, too many things in our world divide us. So you say, well, why don't I have what I'm seeking the Lord of in my life today? Could it be this? Could it be that you're not actually receiving from God because you're not asking God? Some of us, we struggle to discern the hand of God in our life. We struggle to discern how God is moving, how he is guiding in our life. Could it be that we're just praying in generalities and we're receiving from God in generalities and then we look at our life, we're like, we're struggling to understand. Well, then, I mean, I don't know if I really see God do anything, but you're not praying specifically to ask God to give you something specifically. So what did you come with in your heart today? What are the needs in your heart today? Why don't you ask the Father? Why don't you ask the Father with someone else in our body for God to do that? Jesus says you have not because you ask not. And if you ask, you ask wrongly so you can spend it on your own passions. But Jesus is eager to give good gifts to his children. His mercies are new every morning. Notice in all of this, what does this mean for me in our life today? God invites me to ask. You're never going to come to God praying for daily bread and have it be denied. If it is for His glory and your good, God will always measure out accordingly to the needs of of his people. So the saying goes like this, right? There's no time like the present. Some of us this morning, we need to release some things from yesterday. Some of us need to set our eyes not so far on tomorrow. And all of us need to get focused in what God wants to do in our life today. What he wants you to do for his good today who He wants you to be today, who He is calling you to love, who He is calling you to forgive, who He is calling you to endure with, who He is calling for you to serve, and that you do it today. Today. Here's how we're going to end this morning. I want you to huddle up. Guys with guys, ladies with ladies, find one other, maybe two other. Here's how we're going to close. We're going to pray briefly, like pray for the other, in the needs in their life today. Share briefly, but here we're going to pray. We're going to believe God together. Go huddle up, find guy with guy, girl with girl, teens, teens. Jessica's going to come and play as we pray this morning. Huddle up, find someone, guys with guys, girls with girls. Let's pray for each other in our needs today. Thank you, Lord, that you are everything that we need and that our sufficiency is in you. Lord, help us today not to get hung up on the blessings of what you give us, but Lord, help us to see your provision and that you are the provider 
that you are imaginably more uh, than anything we can imagine. Lord, thank you for your sufficiency. Thank you for your God just meeting us and surrounding us with everything that we need. We're reminded what you say in the Psalms that, that you daily bear our burdens. And so, Father, thank you for that. I pray, Lord, for my brothers and sisters here in this room that, Lord, by your grace, we would be freed from obsessing over our yesterdays and tomorrows. God, live in the reality of what you've given us today. May we praise you today for you are worthy of it. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? Amen. Well, God is faithful to give us what we need as we need it, and God does it one day at a time. So the Bible says in Psalm 90, So Lord, teach us to number our days. How do we number our days? <laughs> one at a time. I don't know if I'm going to have a tomorrow to number, but I can number today. So let's be thankful for today. Hey, I, I'm, I'm so thankful for you, thankful for our church, thankful for what God's doing in our church. And I pray that, that in the days, weeks to come, Lord, help us be centered on what He has right in front of us uh, to do for His glory. Amen?